Wouldn't it be great if there were a pocket-sized guide that could help you sleep, focus, act, or be better? Well, there is. And if you have 10 minutes, Headspace can change your life. I know because it's definitely helped me too. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. Headspace is the only meditation app advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace can really help you feel better. If you're overwhelmed, Headspace has three-minute SOS meditations for you. Need some help falling asleep? They can help you with wind-down sessions their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has stuff that you could do with your kids too. And their approach to mindfulness can help you reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Like I said, I use Headspace as well. I used to use it back in the day, then I got off of it for a while to use another tool. But then, honestly, I came back to it, and it's even better. The voicing, the meditation, it definitely, even just with five minutes a day, it really changes everything for me. It's backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. Incredible. So you deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. So go to headspace.com slash SPI. That's headspace.com slash SPI for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash SPI today. Hey, I want to start off by doing a podcasting quiz with you. So I'm going to ask you a question. I want you to consider your answer, and I'll tell you this sort of answer that most people give. Now, I don't have to ask you whether or not you listen to podcasts, but uh, it's kind of obvious since you're listening to this episode. But more than 52% of the U.S. population, at least, is actually listening to podcasts now. If you were to ask people even three years ago, do you listen to a podcast? The answer would not only be no, it would be, uh, I don't even know what a podcast is. Thankfully, now most people do, thanks to just it being around for much longer now, people having access to it more than ever, and a lot of celebrities and and big-time names coming on starting their own shows, which is inviting a lot of people into the listening space. So I imagine this number is going to be increasing well over time for sure. But here's the next question. How many shows are you subscribed to? Hopefully at least one, this one, but I'm curious, and maybe it requires you to go into your uh, app just for a sec to see how many podcasts you are actually subscribed to, but the average number is actually seven. So maybe you're above average or maybe you're below average like me. I listen to or subscribe to three And it's that because I used to subscribe to 25, but I realized that it was just taking up so much time and I wanted to consume all those things that I wasn't having enough time to get anything done. So I'm in the camp of, well, I purposefully have cut out the noise so I can just focus on what I need to focus on. Hopefully you're subscribed to this one and make sure you subscribe if you haven't already. So seven is the average. The final question here in this quiz is when you sit down or go to listen to a podcast or you're listening podcast sessions, how long are you listening for? I want you to consider other kinds of content here so we can compare. When you consider a blog post and how long a person might read a blog post, they might be spending five to 10 minutes. They're not even reading every single word. They might be distracted by other things, clicking around, going from here to there. Five to 10 minutes, maybe. A YouTube video, a person may be watching for less than five minutes. I found out since kind of diving into YouTube this past year, if you get a person to watch your video for more than five minutes, you are doing extremely well. So consider that versus your answer for your podcast listening session, which if it's like anything in any of the surveys or questions that I've run in person at events, it's probably anywhere between 25 minutes to an hour at a time, if not more. Some shows, not mine, but some shows like from Tim Ferriss or Joe Rogan are often two to sometimes three hours in length. That is a lot of time to get in front of people. Podcasting is just such a beautiful platform for these reasons, and it's because where we listen to podcasts, we're listening on a run, we are listening on a commute, we're listening while we're on a walk with our dog, or what have you. It's just, you can't get in front of people in any other way other than audio, and this is why audio is booming now, it's why it is growing, and it's why we have today a very special guest with us, and that is Kevin. Kevin Finn from buzzsprout.com. Buzzsprout is an amazing software that helps people create podcasts. It's a podcasting hosting company. Uh, I've used several in the past. I use Libsyn as well, but I'm also a user of Buzzsprout. My show Ask Pat is hosted there, and I'm very, very happy with what they've been able to do and just all the things that they're creating. And I often recommend for people when they start with a podcast 
to start with Buzzsprout. So I wanted to invite Kevin on. He was very interested in helping you out to learn more about podcasting, some of what's happening in the space today, and even what's going on in the future. And I also wanted to dive in a little bit to the history of this company because it's a very interesting way that they work and they, they get things done. And for anybody who's developing any products, Kevin's brought on some really amazing advice for just kind of how to get systems going and how to keep going with product creation. So really excited to invite Kevin on to talk about all things podcasting today. So before we get to that, let's get to the intro. Here we go. Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host, he has the best voiceover guy in the world. Shucks. Pat Flynn. What's up, everybody? Welcome to session number 395 of the Smart Passive Income Podcast. My name is Pat Flynn, here to help you make more money, save more time, and help more people, too. And a beautiful way to do all of those things is by podcasting. I've been podcasting for about a decade now, and I'm just super stoked to bring on Kevin from Buzzsprout, an amazing company I'm, I'm in full support of, and uh, I'm an affiliate. I use the product. It's, it's amazing. But we're here to talk not about Buzzsprout and getting started with them, but just about podcasting in general, because I know you've been thinking about starting a podcast, or maybe you've already started one, and you're curious about what a person who's on the inside in this space is uh, thinking about the industry and where it's going, and we have some fun things to talk about here. So let's not wait any longer. Here he is, Kevin Finn from buzzsprout.com. Kevin, welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast. Thanks for being here today, man. Hey, Pat. Thanks for having me. Very excited. Yeah, this will be a lot of fun. You know, you and I have gotten to know each other quite well over the last few years. I get to see you at a lot of the podcasting conferences that are out there, and you guys just always create a lot of buzz, and hence the word Buzzsprout for, for the company name. And definitely want to dig into the history of the company and sort of the things that you guys are doing over there for helping us podcasters. But first, I wanted to talk about the podcasting space in general, because a lot of things have happened in the last just even year and a half, a lot of big players coming on board, and you as, as providing a service, a, a software company within the space, and have been in it for a while now like what are your thoughts on where things are headed in the podcasting space i'm curious your your perspective on that yeah so we got into the podcasting space in 2009 at the end of 2009 is when we actually launched buzzsprout and back then most people had no idea what a podcast was in fact we launched the product to answer uh, the requests of some users who had a need on another product that we had and they didn't even use the word podcasting they were just saying hey we have all this audio content and we want to put it online and so we were faced with the question of, should we you know, build this as a feature of an existing product or build it as a standalone product? So the space has changed quite a bit. So back then from going from you know, educating people that actually what you're ask, talking about and asking for is called podcasting. And we are interested in building a tool and solving that problem for you until today when like everybody knows what a podcast is and it's the, it's the hottest thing. Conferences are, are popping up everywhere. There's thousands and thousands of people attending conferences. I can actually you know, go meet a parent at a soccer field and I say, Hey, what do you do? And I say, I work on this software product and it helps podcasters get their audio content online. They're like, Oh, podcasts are awesome. I listen to the show and the show. And so, <laughs> I mean, my world has changed quite a bit in the past 10 years. It's changed for me too, both as a consumer of content. I mean, I remember I used to read blogs all the time. Do you remember when we would read blogs by waking up in the morning and you'd check your sort of like RSS feed? Yeah. And sure. I'd see like 30 posts from my favorite personal finance blogs and, and other entrepreneurial blogs. And now like that doesn't even happen anymore. Now it's I get notified on my phone when I get a new podcast for something. And then I go and I'm like, OK, when am I going to be able to listen? Oh, on my trip or, you know, on this on this commute. Do you listen to podcasts quite often, Kevin? And what do you what do you actually listen to? I do. I listen to quite a few podcasts. Some of my favorites are I mean, I love I, I don't know if how popular it is. I think it's a pretty popular show. One of my favorite new shows that launched this year was Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. I think that's a fantastic show. I listen to that all the time. My favorite show, my all-around favorite show is How I Built This with Guy Raz. Yeah. You ever listen to that? Absolutely. That comes from the NPR world and Conan is obviously a, a very big celebrity. What are your thoughts on all these celebrities coming in to the podcasting space? I think it's really exciting, but I think a lot of people worry that it's, oh, well, hey, the big celebrities are on now. We're kind of, we're kind of too late. Oh, uh, I don't think so. I mean, maybe I'm being optimistic about it, but I'm kind of like, you know, the rising tide rises all ships type of mentality on that. So I, I think it's fantastic because if somebody's, you know, a celebrity comes into podcasting, they're going to market that show like crazy. And so we have more and more people saying, hey, I heard Conan O'Brien has a podcast or I heard, you know, Ron Burgundy is doing a show or whatever. How can you help me 
listen to a podcast or how do I get these on my phone? And so that's those conversations are happening more and more, which is just driving listenership. And so while you're in there, other shows, you know, pop up when you're just browsing shows or searching for various topics, whether it be smart passive income or, you know, browsing categories. I want to see business podcasts or I want to see sports podcasts or whatever. Once you're in the ecosystem and you start enjoying this content, then naturally you're going to seek out more content. So I think it's super exciting. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I even saw a spike back when Serial was really popular and it was sort of the first mainstream podcast. It was parodied on SNL and a lot of people got into it and it was many people's first introduction to podcasts. And I saw a spike in my downloads when that was all going down. And I agree with you. I think I think it's great that a lot of these celebrities are coming on, but we're also starting to see, as, as you know, as somebody who has created a hosting company for podcasts, more people are starting their own show, which is which is really cool. And, um, you know, with that comes a lot of noise. It comes a lot of worry that, you know, maybe it is too saturated. So yes, maybe celebrities are bringing more people into the listening space, but in, in terms of more and more people creating a podcast, I know it's exciting and obviously, you know, you're helping people create podcasts, but how can we as podcasters sort of cut through all that noise? You know, I, I want to talk a lot in this episode and we'll talk about it throughout this episode, just tips for people who, who are creating podcasts. How can one sort of stand out now as they're starting to think about the show they're creating, or maybe they just started one? I would love your perspective on that as, as somebody who's been in the space for a while. Sure. And I think I would start by saying, like, you have to bring something, not necessarily unique, but some, you have to bring something of quality. And so the, and the best place to, to figure out what is something of quality is by thinking about a podcast, something that you're creating as your own product. And so just like, you know, me being a software developer, when I'm thinking about what new product ideas do I have or what product do I want to bring to the world, I want to go out and I want to look at the competition and I want to say, what do I enjoy? What am I excited about? What opportunities are there? Is there, a, if I was going to find a podcast today, that would be my ideal podcast, the exact thing that I want to listen to. There's probably something similar but there's probably not exactly what you want. And so defining your show up front before you just get behind a mic or you and a friend get behind a mic and just start talking about something random, but de defining exactly what you want to talk about and what value you want to bring and who your audience is going to be and thinking that all through up front can totally separate you from everybody else because you've already done the research, right? And so you said, hey, I'm interested in creating a podcast that speaks to entrepreneurs. Well, there's thousands of podcasts that speak to entrepreneurs, but what's your unique flavor? What's your unique spin on that? What do you have to say that other people aren't saying? You know, that will always break out from the noise because it's unique and it's your voice and it's your perspective. It's not just you sitting down behind a mic and rambling about entrepreneurship. It's you could be put some thought behind it. And I think that's important. And that's what's becoming more and more necessary as the market is becoming more and more saturated. Yeah, I love the idea of thinking about your podcast as a product. I wish I had that same advice when it came to my blog because blogging and podcasting, very similar. Seth Godin recently said that podcasting is the new blogging. But I remember with the blog, for example, I mean, I had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of posts and it wasn't until somebody finally came by. Actually, he, it was here on the show in episode 200. He was like, Pat, your blog is just this giant chunk of content that was created over time and it's not necessarily the best product for somebody to go and find for the first time. It's overwhelming. There's too much stuff. If it was treated like something that would be helpful uh, to the eyes of both people who are on the site and Google, what would it look like? And that episode, episode 200, talked about literally deleting or redirecting a bunch of old stuff that wasn't necessary so that it actually could turn into this nice package. And I think a podcast can be thought of in the same way. And it's a little bit harder to go back and edit and, and, and do those things later on. And so getting really smart with what content you're creating, who is going to be on your show, what those stories are going to be told about, and how that sort of progresses people from, from episode one and then moving forward is, I think, a really smart idea. I'd love your thoughts on, because this is a big common question I have with a lot of people who come into my podcasting space who either learn from me on free on YouTube or come to get deeper level information in my courses. They go, okay, how niche should I go, right? One way to stand out is to go niche, but there is a line there. You could go too far. And uh, how do you balance that? How, how niche is too niche? I know you get often asked, like, what should my show be about? What's your comment on sort of niching down or niching too far potentially? I would probably lean more towards niching further down than further up. You're right. There is a point in which it could become too specific. When your audience is just you and your best friend, you've gone too far. <laughs> but it certainly depends on your goals, right? The question I always want to start with when people, I interact with people at a conference or through a support channel or something like that is why did you start? What are the goals of your podcast? And that can help us define how narrow of a market is appropriate. 
So I live in Jacksonville, Florida. And if I was speaking with like a, a local realtor who wanted to start to share their real estate expertise in this market, then I could get really specific with that niche. But I don't need thousands of listeners for my show, right? Like I can only serve maybe 10 or 15 customers with quality service at a time. So if I have 100 or 200 listeners for every episode, I'm doing fantastic. So I can be very specific in my niche. Now, there's sports podcasts, for example. Like I might not want to, unless it's just a hobby and a passion project, but I might not want to create a sports podcast for like a local middle school basketball team. That might be a little bit too tight, especially if I want to like cover the cost of my hobby, right? So if I want to do affiliate marketing or something or, or generate a little bit of revenue to pay for my microphone and pay for my hosting, you might have a hard time doing that. But maybe if I covered all of high school or middle school sports in my county, and I did, you know, team reviews or who's playing who or score updates, things like that. So that would be a little bit broader. But again, I'd have more opportunity to talk about maybe a local sporting goods shop and go in there and get 10% off your purchase if you mention my podcast or something. I like that. What are some of the goals that people come to you with? And when you ask that question, what are your goals? Like, what are some of the common reasons why people are starting a podcast? We talked about, you know, getting more clients. If you're in real estate, for example, you had talked about, uh, you know, just passion or, ha or hobby sort of thing. Uh, what are some other common goals that people have uh, and reasons why podcasts are started? Yeah, we do a lot of work with nonprofits. So those are people who just have a message that they feel compelled to share with the world, whether that be, you know, a religious podcast or a charity or something like that. So we do a ton of work there. We see a lot of podcasts in that space. Just like growing influence and expertise, that's kind of a big thing. I mean, I think there's obviously, you know, uh, I know some people who have books that they want to sell, you know, that goes along the same lines as an influencer, right? But uh, products, courses uh, is a big reason why, actually it wasn't re the reason why I started the podcast. Uh, it became a part of the podcast because now I have courses to, to offer my listeners and students. Events, a lot of people have podcasts to support events that are coming up and sometimes they're seasonal, sometimes they're episodic and more consistent, but Another reason why a lot of people start is because they just want to have a platform to connect with the guest. Exactly. Yeah. Networking opportunities for sure. Exactly. And, and I have a lot of people who come take my course. And when I ask them, like, why did you start? They're like, I just needed to have something to use to connect with people in my industry. And it becomes an amazing platform for that. Yeah. Remote working has become so popular. So many people are not in offices anymore. And so when you, you know, corporate jobs used to be the thing in the eighties or whatever, but you'd go and you'd, you'd see a hundred people during a day, but now you might not, you might work out of a Starbucks or your home office. And so just being able to connect with other professionals who are in the same line of work or something like that, that's a fantastic reason to start a podcast. We also have a lot of like storytellers, people who just like true crime podcasts are huge or um, comedy podcasts are huge, tons of different reasons. Now I know some people also are thinking about starting a podcast to make money, to make, to make a living. How possible is that? I'm curious uh, your thoughts on that. I obviously know it is possible and I've helped many do that, but is it realistic? I think it's realistic. I don't think it's a good reason to start a podcast. Why do you say that? Okay. So I think if you say, you know, I want to be a podcaster, that's not a great reason. This happens quite often. People will write into support or I'll meet them at a conference and they'll say, hey, I want to be a podcaster. It'd be fantastic. What do you want to talk about? Well, what should I talk about? I heard true crime is big. Should I do that? <laughs> I'm like, no, like you shouldn't be a podcaster because you want to be a podcaster. Just like you wouldn't be like, I want to be a radio personality. You would say, I am passionate about sports or I'm passionate about journalism or I'm passionate about something like that. And that would be the medium in which you would execute what you're passionate about. So the same thing, like if people come in and say, hey, I want to make a great living but I don't want to work hard. I heard podcasting is the thing to do. Like that's the red flag that it sets off for me. So if that's the motivation behind it, if I, I, you think that podcasting is like a way to get rich and not do a lot of work, it's not the right place to do that. But if you are willing to do the work and you are passionate about it and you have something compelling and interesting and you have value to add, then podcasting is a fantastic channel to do that on. You can certainly make a, a, you know, a good living doing it, but it's going to take a lot of work, just like making good living in any career is going to take a lot of work. Absolutely. And I think monetization is definitely possible. I've uh, obviously had a lot of students who have, have generated all kinds of different kinds of income uh, and have used uh, different income streams to support their life in, in one way or another. What are the requirements for monetization? I think a lot of podcasters coming in do want to make money and, and support it. And, and, you know, most of my audience, they're not coming in with, I just want to get rich quick. Podcasting is not a way to do that, but they want to build an audience, build a tribe, build fans and, and be able to support them and, and generate an income as a byproduct of serving them. But 
is there a requirement? Are there specific, for example, niches that, well, it's impossible to make money in, or is there a certain number of, I get this question a lot, how many listeners do I need in every episode to begin to make (laughs) money? How do you answer those questions? Again, I come back to your why, like, why are you podcasting? And if you want to earn money to cover the cost of your podcasting, we can accomplish that pretty easily. And we don't need a large audience to do that. And we can get into all the different ways you can monetize a podcast. I'm not sure how relevant that is right now, but it's, it's not like the YouTube model. It's not where I'm just going to throw podcast episodes up on the internet and then someone's going to start sending me, you know, checks. Right. Right. It's not AdSense. Right. It's not AdSense. And, and the dynamic ad models that exist for podcasting right now are not super healthy or great. And so there are a few, but they do require you to have a decent size audience, like a thousand or more. And still then you're probably getting like maybe 10 or $15 a month. Not much. That's for ads. That's for like dynamic ad insertion. And again, that's me being pretty optimistic about it. The reality is, is usually a lot lower than that because most people aren't doing a thousand downloads per episode. But what's What's like more compelling, what I, what I encourage people to do is look at like affiliate marketing. I know you teach a course on that, but I think affiliate marketing and podcasting go hand in hand because what you're doing in podcasting is you're creating relationships and you're creating trust. People are listening to you in their ears. They're forming a relationship with you and they're starting to trust your opinion. So if you have a product that you are excited about and whether it be a product that relates exactly to your podcast or not, maybe it's just like I listen to Accidental Tech Podcast and the guys in that show are talking about like Apple products and technology. But they did a, a host endorsement, like a host read ad. It was an endorsement for RX bars. And they were talking about how great they were and how good they make them feel and how they have all these natural ingredients. And well, you know, we have a massive box of in our office right now that everyone's eating and loving is RX bars because I trust the guys at Accidental Tech Podcast. And if they said they tried them and they like them and they made them feel good and gave them energy and weren't loaded with sugar, then I will trust that. And it has nothing to do with Apple products or technology. It was just a great endorsement for a product that turned out to be great. What made you enjoy that endorsement and, and, and take them up on that offer versus oftentimes we listen to podcasts and we're just like, ugh, not another mattress. Like, I don't need that right now. Like, what made it organic and, and, and make sense for you uh, with, with that particular show? Well, you know, in my mind, there's a huge difference between like a commercial or even a host read ad and an endorsement. So when a, when a host of a podcast that comes on and starts talking about a product and they put a personal experience behind it, I'm much more interested in hearing that. The hosts also do a great job sometimes of making the ad reads themselves entertaining. So they put their own personality and flair or personal stories in there. Other ads that I like that, and the guys at ATP, the Accidental Tech Podcast, do a great job with this. Like they talked about fracture prints and they're talking about how they have these fracture prints of their kids all over their homes. And now it's a beautiful new way of displaying photographs around their house. So it's, it's personal connection. I mentioned the Conan O'Brien podcast and he does a great job of doing, he does like non-endorsement ads. Like he hasn't tried all the products that he's selling, but he makes them hilarious. They're super entertaining. And so every ad spot that he does, every host read ad spot that he does on a show is like a comedy bit. So why am I going to skip over that two minutes of comedy? Cause I'm listening to this podcast to be entertained in the first place. And when the advertisements are just as entertaining as the podcast content, I'm sure to listen. And so I might not need a new comforter right now, or I might not need a new mattress. But when I do, those messages are in my mind and Conan made it, you know, the Casper mattress sound funny and entertaining. I might go check out Casper. That's really cool. I love that. And even if you don't have quote sponsors yet, maybe you're just starting out, you could still do the same kinds of reads and and endorse products as an affiliate. I love that idea. Anybody can get started right now doing that, just finding products that you've probably used before, finding an affiliate program that promotes that. Uh, They might have one built in. Obviously, if you're promoting things on Amazon, you can do it through Amazon Associates. And if you're going to be mentioning these products and maybe recommending them anyway within the content that you have for that episode, then you might as well, right? So I think those are some big ideas. And obviously, we've talked about getting more clients, getting more students for your courses, getting people to know you a little bit uh, before hiring you as a coach. I think that's another big opportunity. If, you're do, if, you, if you do any coaching or consulting, it's like your podcast is sort of a mini non-personalized coaching session. And now people want personalized stuff and they'll pay you for it. At Buzzsprout, we are like 100% all in on the affiliate marketing model. What I love about the whole idea is it shifts the risk from the, the brand who would like normally pay you like on a CPM model. They normally pay you an upfront fee to go ahead and talk about their product. And then they would hope that they're going to get more customers that pay them back whatever they spent plus some, right? So they're taking all the risk in that equation. And the affiliate model shifts it. It's like you're taking the risk. So I'm going to talk about your product on my podcast for an hour 
And if I approach a sponsor directly, like maybe that's worth $100. Maybe I could sell it for $100. But I'm going to forgo the $100 right now. And I'm going to talk about a product that I really believe in. And I think I can get enough people to buy that product that the commissions are going to bring me more than $100. And I love, I mean, maybe it's just the entrepreneur, entrepreneurial mindset I have, but I love the idea of, hey, I'll take more risk because I believe in my product and then I will get more reward for it. Well, th- there isn't even that much risk to begin with uh, compared to the risk of, you know, doing a brand deal and then you not selling enough to then not continue that relationship moving forward versus like like you said, it's just like, you know, if you make money, the company makes money and then the person gets the product that they wanted. Everybody wins in that case. The risk is maybe you don't sell any. Well, nobody's hurt. No harm, no foul. So I love that model. I think affiliate marketing is where all podcasters should start, even in episode one, perhaps even talking about a particular product that you use. And as long as it's done authentically and organically and you share stories behind it, like you said, you mentioned stories a couple times. This is what podcasting I feel is meant for. It's for these stories that are told. And I'd love for you to get into actually the story of Buzzsprout um, and, and where it came from, how it started. There are a number of podcasting hosts now available. Buzzsprout has become one of my favorite in particular because it's just so easy to get started with. I don't know if like user interface, user experience was like something that was just very purposeful, but that's very obvious when you get into the product, just how simple it is to set up everything uh, compared to some others. But go over the, like, how did Buzzsprout get started? What, what's the origin story there? Sure. So it was back in 2009, we had, well, I mean, we're a software shop, so we build software and we have a, a couple different products, Buzzsprout being the biggest and the one that we're most actively involved with right now. But we'd been building software for years and it was around 2009, we had a content management system, which is just a, it's a software tool that helps people create websites. So think of like, you know, like Squarespace or Wix, or there's a couple big ones now. We had a smaller one and it was focused mostly on people in the nonprofit space. So if you had a nonprofit and you needed a website, you could come and sign up online and have a website up in a couple hours. And as these nonprofits were at different conferences or speaking at different venues, they were recording these things and they wanted to put them on their website. And so over and over, we would have customers asking us about how do we get this audio content online? And so we were faced with the question or the decision rather of, do we build this as a feature into our existing product or we build it as a standalone product? And this was probably the luckiest or wisest, however you look at it, decision (laughs) that we ever made because we decided to build it as a standalone feature or as a standalone product, we thought that it was, it was too big of a feature to like, you know, try to stuff into another product. And as you mentioned, we wanted to make it really clear and really simple. And so, you know, I forgot to mention that for years before this, we tried, there, there were already some big players in the market doing this, doing this podcast hosting. And we tried for years to help people. We tried to write guides. We did video tutorials for them. We'd get on the phone with them and we'd say, hey, go to this website and sign up here. And here's how you upload and here's how you do your settings. And people were still struggling. They just weren't getting it. It was too difficult. And we said, you know, there has to be a simpler way to do this. And we we were thinking about the problem. We thought we could envision an interface that would make it easy. And so that's where the idea came from. And that's where we got excited about it. And we said, you know, since the product is is focused mostly for nonprofits initially out of the gate, it has to be super simple because what happens oftentimes in these nonprofits is you have a lot of volunteers who come in. So a volunteer will come in and they'll work there, you know, they'll volunteer for six months or something. And then they, I mean, the schedule gets too busy or life happens and they might switch out for a different volunteer. And so if it takes days and days or hours and hours, even to train new volunteers, to be able to upload content, to go onto this website, like audio content, then that's not going to work for them. It has to be something that somebody can sit down with very little or no training and kind of figure it out in a very short amount of time. And so that was our test case. That was our, the model and the target customer that we're building it after. And it just turns out that that really resonated with a lot of people who were saying, Hey, I'm a podcaster, but I don't know how to build a website or I don't know what all these crazy RSS things mean or all that code that it generates. I just want to be able to like, I can do email. Can I just email you the file? So that's how our interface started is it's like in order to upload a podcast, it has to be as easy as like dragging uh, attachment into an email. If it can't be that simple, then we failed. And so that's where we started and it's just gone from there. That's really cool. I just think it's incredible that you built it specifically because everybody was just complaining that everything was so hard. I mean, I, this is why we create things, right? Like this is why my SwitchPod exists now and, and other things. And I think, you know, a lot of people, when they come up with an idea for something like this, they see a need, a market need and um, have a potential solution in mind how are you able to move quickly and actually execute on this? I'm curious 
to know what those initial conversations were like and, and planning processes. So how long did it take you and your crew to go from idea to, you know, the first version and what's it been like since then to, to continue to grow the company? Oh gosh, it's been a long time. So I'm gonna try to remember back, but I think the, you know, the first version of the product, I think we spent about six months developing. And I remember feeling at the end of that, like we took too long and it wasn't because we were like missing a market opportunity or anything, but I think we built too much software without putting it out in front of customers and getting some validation about what we were building. Were we on the right track? Were we on the wrong track? Did we need this? Did we not need that? So I remember having that feeling. We launched with the ability to upload a podcast and promote your, your podcast. We had a few like small promotion tools in there and track your podcast. And I think we could have just launched with like just the ability to just upload your podcast and get like an embeddable player and give them an RSS feed. If we launched with just that, it probably would have taken half the time and we probably would have gotten better feedback sooner to be able to figure out where to go with the product next or what, what the market really needed. That's really cool. How do you, and I know this because I'm in software as well, how do you manage customer requests in terms of, oh, it should do this, it should do this because, and this is, the, this is I'm trying to get to, to those who are creating new products of any kind, software, courses, programs of any kind, feature creep becomes a real thing, especially from your customers who are like, oh, it should be this way, it should be this, it should be like this, no, it should be like this. What's your, what's your uh, sort of process or, or procedure for taking in those requests, feature requests, which are important to just kind of acknowledge, but then like, how do you prioritize? How do you, how do you manage that? Yeah. Are you familiar with the guys at Basecamp? I am. Okay. So we have followed their methodology for a very long time. And so a lot of the stuff that I'll tell you how we work will mirror a lot of the way that they do things. And we've learned from them and they've in a lot of ways have mentored us. We've attended a bunch of their workshops and stuff like that. So I take no credit for this, but I was, I'll share with you how we develop. I just want to make sure I'm giving proper credit before I do so. But all feature requests that come in, they run through the filter of like no by default. So we are, we, we want to build simple software that's really easy to use. It's a joy to use. It's not overloaded with features that does a million different things. We want to figure out, you know, what are the core problems that we're trying to solve and we want to solve them perfectly. And that means that we might not be the perfect fit for everybody. Like there are going to be some podcasters out there that say, Hey, I need this. Like, for example, a feature that we don't have is we don't have the ability to do a private podcast. We can't lock down an RSS feed with a password. It's not something that we, it's not a problem that we are saying that we'll never solve. It's just a problem that we're not solving today. And we're happy to refer you to one of our competitors that has that feature that we think they do a great job with if that feature request comes in. But by default, everything is run through the filter of no by default. And then, and we don't keep track. So we don't have a list of somebody requested this, somebody requested this, somebody requested this. We, um, we just keep it in our minds. The, the partners all monitor support requests. We, everything that kind of comes in and out, we're in and out of the support box all the time. So we know exactly what our customers are asking for. We know all the pain points, but it's also, you know, no by default and there is no list. And so what that does is it means that the only requests that are kind of top of mind for us are the requests that are coming in consistently. Like, oh, I hear that a lot. Like, you know, and so we also work in these six week work cycles and anyone in the company, anybody from our, you know, support team to our designers, to our developers, to the partners of the company, if something's going to get done on our product, it's going to start as a pitch. And that means somebody's going to sit down and they're going to say, hey, I use our product all the time to push podcasts up. And here's a problem that I run into. Here's something that could be more efficient or more effective way if our software did this. And they're going to write it up in a narrative format and they can do some sketches or whatever. And they're going to pitch it to the, the partners of the company, but they're going to put it out in a public form. And we use Basecamp as like our project management software that we do that with. So it goes out, everybody sees it, everybody can comment on it. I love this idea, or here's a way to improve that idea. Or I've had, you know, somebody from our support team might say, yeah, customers write in about this all the time. People would love this. And so, you know, the pitch gets improved, improved, improved. And then every six weeks, the partners of the company sit down, we evaluate all the pitches and we figure out what are we going to work on for the next six weeks. And so we don't have, you know, the five-year plan. We don't have the three-year plan. We don't have the one-year plan. We have the six-week plan. And every six weeks, if you're a Buzzsprout customer, you'll see that roughly every six weeks, hey, new things roll out roughly every six weeks. And so we're constantly iterating. We're constantly building new features. We're constantly improving old features. We're constantly, some of it's front-facing, like customer-focused stuff. Some of it is back-end, making sure that our servers are running fast and our caches are up to speed and all that kind of stuff. But 
yeah, that's how we work. And so it's not that we don't listen to customer feedback. It's that we listen to customer feedback, but we have to run it through the filter of, no, we want to keep our software simple. So we don't want every feature. Like, of course, there's a million things we could do. But if we did a million things, we wouldn't be great to the people that we want to be great to. And if we hear it enough, then we'll remember it. And then somebody has to pitch it in our company and people have to get behind it. And then the partners have to approve it. And then six weeks later, it'll be in the product. That's really cool. How often are those pitches? Uh, do they come in at a regular basis or like what's the planning process like for that? Yeah, they can come in at any time. They can come in any time. Yeah. So it's just part of anybody's normal workflow. Like uh, we all try to keep 40 hour weeks around here and we all have about 40 hours a week worth of work to do. And, but every now and then you'll find yourself on a Thursday afternoon at, you know, three 30 and it's like, Hey, I kind of hit a good stopping point for today. And I have my own personal list of here's the two or three pitches that have kind of been on my mind. I might pull one of those and, and write it up. That's really neat. I like that. Who, who are the decision makers related to those pitches? Uh, so the partners of the company are myself, Tom Rossi and Marshall Brown. And so we started trying to make it like a group decision. So we would have a company meeting. We would put all the pitches up on the board. We'd say like, how many votes do we have for this one? How many votes? And it just was like total chaos. Did not work <laughs> at all. And it was bad for the culture because people would feel offended or people would be like, I don't like that because of this. And then somebody would take that personally because it was their idea. And so we've moved away from that, you know, highs and lows, fun while it lasted, but not super healthy in the long run. And for the past 18 months or so, it's just been Marshall, Tom and I who will get in a room together and we'll look at all the pitches and uh, we'll just kind of duke it out. You know, base camp, what they call it is they call it the betting table. So they'll take all their pitches and they'll throw them on the betting table and the, the partners will figure out what do we want to bet on for the next six weeks. And so we do something very similar to that. And that meeting is fine. Like if we if you know, the, the three of us are arguing, well, it's just the three of us. Like none of us are taking it personally. We all make sure our interests are in line. There's no egos at stake. And so that meeting can be like aggressive and, and fun and lively conversation, but we all walk out like patting each other on the back and it's great. That's Keeps really the cool. culture healthy. That's really cool. Thank you. Thank you for letting us in on that. That's really interesting. And with my software company uh, in the podcasting space as well, with the smart podcast player and some other things we're going to do with it, it's just, I'm always curious to see how companies and especially in the software space sort of iterate and manage a lot of the features that are coming out. And that, that's just really cool. I love the idea of the betting table. So yeah, big shout out to uh, the guys over at Basecamp. DHH uh, is, is one of my faves. So coming up, I'm sure these things were on the betting table. What are some of the latest features of Buzzsprout or perhaps even upcoming ones that have uh, gone through that process and, and are sort of in development or have just recently come out? I'm curious. Okay, this one I am super excited about. We have just launched an affiliate marketplace inside of Buzzsprout. And so what that is, is it's for any podcasters that are interested in stepping into affiliate marketing. This is a, the easiest way to get started in affiliate marketing. So we partnered with five brands, one of them being Buzzsprout, but the other ones are Allswell is a mattress company. Um, Buffy is a comforter company. Instacart Express and Knockaround. Knockaround are these like affordable, um, stylish sunglasses. They're like 10 or $15 for a pair of really cool sunglasses. And so anybody can now, uh, any Buzzsprout podcaster can log in, click on the affiliate marketplace, find one of these brands, click and activate their affiliate code, and then they can mention them in their podcast and we will automatically drop the, their affiliate link in their show notes and we'll do the affiliate disclaimer for them. We'll show the company logo like on their podcasting page for them and everything. Anybody who clicks through that, then they automatically get a commission. So it's not the end all be all in affiliate marketing, but it's a fantastic way for you just to try it on your podcast and see if it'll work. And if it does, then go out and find your own affiliates and, and start doing it that way and, and build your affiliate marketing network into your podcast. That's really cool. So five companies plans to add more down the road, I'm sure. Yeah, plans to add more and plans to be able to let people kind of set up their own affiliate partners within Buzzsprout. So you'd be able to click, you know, add a custom affiliate partner and you would upload their logo, you'd drop in your own affiliate link. And that way, again, we just want to make it easy because oftentimes you might talk about an affiliate during your episode, but then you publish it and you forget to put the link in your show notes or something. So those are things that computers are good at. Computers don't forget. So as long as you tell me, hey, I mentioned, you know, Instacart in this episode, we can automatically drop your link in for you. We can do your affiliate disclaimer in there for you. That's really neat. I like how you're thinking about how to support the podcasters that are on your platform. This is what I love about ConvertKit, you know, uh, email service provider that I often talk about and I advise uh, they really, really care about helping their their users. And when you help your users, they're going to stay with you longer. So I just, I, th I think that's a really smart idea. What else is coming up? Uh, what else we have? We just rolled out multi-users. We called it team members. 
So for the longest time since Buzzsprout's launch, you would have one username and password to log into your Buzzsprout account. And now you can add multiple team members and we have different permission levels. So you can have an administrator who can do everything. And you also have an editor who an editor can't do certain things like they can't delete your podcast and they can't delete episodes. They can't change your billing plan, things like that. But now you don't have to share logins. Like sharing logins is a bad idea. Most people, when we first started out for years and years and years, we're, we're kind of doing their own thing and they were fine just having one login. But now as podcasts are getting more popular, we're seeing more people, you know, work with editors, work with teams of people. There's a lot of companies that are podcasting. So they need to be able to create different logins for different people. And so we just rolled out that feature. Nice. And I think the last one that's kind of big during this cycle is you're familiar with Auphonic, right? Auphonic? Auphonic? Auphonic, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I uh, often recommend that to my students who want to just level out and normalize their audio. Right. So Auphonic is a fantastic tool and, and we recommend it. And, and so one of the things that we'll do in Buzzsprout from time to time is if, if, we, if we see a tool that a lot of people are using to accomplish a certain goal, we'll figure out what's the Buzzsprout version of that. And what that verbiage means to us is it means like, what's the 80% version of that tool? Like Headliner is a really cool way to be able to take a clip from a podcast episode and create like an animated waveform and upload a, a custom background image behind it and you create a video and then you can upload that video to Instagram or YouTube and you can use it as different ways to market your podcast. The, the drawback to a tool like Headliner is that it's just another step in your workflow, right? So now not only do I create the episode and I create my show notes and publish and then update my blog post and all that stuff, but now I also go out to Headliner and I create this separate thing. And we don't want to compete with Headliner because like, Headliner is this amazing tool that does all these amazing things, but there is a Buzzsprout version of that, which means like for 80% of the people, we don't need the ability to like complete, have complete customization over what this video looks like, or to be able to have like transcription text at the bottom of it or something. There's, there's just a simpler version of that that we could just build into our tool and just give it to our users so that people who are just starting out or people who just don't have the time to add this extra step in their workflow can still take advantage of things like that. So that's why we have this tool in Buzzsprout called Visual Soundbites. And it's our 80% version of what Headliner does. And so we're doing something similar with like the Auphonic, the idea that people would upload audio to us and it might not be leveled properly. They might not have their true peak set correctly or the number of audio channels set correctly. Even leveling between speakers might not be exactly right. And Auphonic does a great job of, of doing all that plus more. Like they also have like noise reduction features and stuff like that. And we're not going to get into all that, but for 80% of people, all they need are kind of those main things set. Like let's get the loudness right. Let's get the true peak right. And let's get um, the leveling between, between channels correct. Right. Um, and so we're building that into Buzzsprout. So now you don't have to go out and have another step in your workflow. Again, it's just about making it easy so that users can focus on creating quality content and not having to worry about all these steps in my workflow and making sure I'm getting them right. I love that. I mean, this is why I love you guys, because my job is to make things easy for, for everybody listening and to work with companies like you who are helping support that, too, is just very, very cool. And, and just a clear partnership here. So uh, that's amazing. To finish off here, Kevin, and thanks for the background on on. Buzzsprout and sort of telling us a little bit about uh, the insider info and what's coming up uh, and, and the releases. So I appreciate that. But speaking of what's coming up, I'd love to talk about the future of podcasting. It's changing quite rapidly as we've talked about now. Where do you see podcasting headed in two years, five years from now? Like wh where is it at? How has it changed? What can we prepare for? I mean, I hope in a lot of ways it stays exactly the same. Why, why do you say that? <laughs> well, I think there are... Um, I mean, I just love, I love podcasting. The podcasting is like the last oasis on the internet where things are open and free. And like, there's not a lot of big tech involved in podcasting right now in terms of like tracking and privacy. And like, I, I never feel good about going onto Facebook. Like, I just feel like, gosh, you've just violated so many people's privacy. And, and I just, I just don't know that that's a, a great channel anymore. And Facebook in a lot of ways has like replaced blogs, which were fantastic. I love blogs. And we talked about that in the beginning of the episode, like the idea that I had an RSS feed and I'd connect directly with the reader. And what has happened in the video space? Like there's not video blogs anymore. I can't subscribe to somebody's individual video blog. If I want to do video content, I have to go to YouTube. And there's been, you know, pros and cons again with that ecosystem, but it's very much like Google's rules and you play by their rules and you live by the, the environment that they've created. Podcasting is not like that. Podcasting is open and and I can create 
a show that is just for me. That's a passion project that maybe nobody listens to except my friend, or I can create a show that is super important and spreading a, a massively important message that everybody needs to hear. And it's downloaded by hundreds of thousands of people and I make a big business off of it, but I can do whatever I want. I have full control and it's open and it's accessible. Now it's not to say that there's not problems with it. Obviously like discoverability needs to be improved. We need to make it easier for people to listen to shows. Like the idea that my mom still would have no idea how to listen to a podcast on her phone. Like we can get better at those things. So I, I do want to see advancements in the, the podcasting industry, but I don't want any one platform or company to come in and just, you know, own podcasting. Yeah. I think that would be, that would be terrible. I'd, I'd be really sad. Like the idea that I would have to listen to a certain number of ads before I could listen to the podcast. That's, that's not exciting, especially like if it got to the point where it is with YouTube, where I can't skip the video content or they've taken control over the players or something. And it's, it's likely that it could go that way, but that's, that's what I'm, I think, you know, as a podcast listener, as somebody who's interested in supporting the podcast ecosystem, I would be against that. Yeah. It's like you said, one of the only sort of open platforms right now. And I often tell my students like, hey, this is your show. At this point in time, you can do whatever you want. Just don't use music that's not yours and, and, and you know, be nice to people. But it's still pretty wide open with what we could do in, in, in our control. And that's why, you know, a lot of people are asking about Anchor and if they should get into Anchor because, it, you know, it's a free platform and it's, you know, easy to use. But, you know, I worry about things like that because I've seen it happen to, uh, what was it, SoundCloud, when they were big into the, to the podcasting thing and then they went bankrupt. I mean, these bigger companies, and we all know, uh, or a lot of us know, Anchor got purchased by Spotify. But at some point, that product's going to need to make money. And right now, it's free. So a lot of times we've seen with these free platforms like Facebook, like SoundCloud, like YouTube, well, they inject money through ads in affecting the experience that listeners and creators have. And I, I worry about that in, in the world of podcasting for sure, too. Yeah. And, and we certainly don't need it. Like we, like I mentioned earlier, we need better ways to discover new podcasts and we need easier ways to consume podcasts and stuff like that. But we don't need a YouTube of podcasts and we don't need a Netflix of podcasts. These are kind of like false problems that big money is coming into the industry and saying, Hey, we need to solve this or there, but they need to solve it. I think they want to solve it for their benefit, not necessarily for the benefit of the podcasting ecosystem as a whole or for independent creators. Like right now I can launch a show and, and I can decide who I want to host it with and what I want to say and how I want to promote it and how I want to monetize it. And, and I can do all of that really well, really effectively. There's plenty of ways and opportunities to do that and to do that easily. I don't need a one-stop shop to be able to do that. I don't expect to be able to upload a, a podcast episode and you just start sending me, you know, free money or something like kind of people think with YouTube, like we don't need it. We have a great ecosystem. It's thriving. Podcast listeners are more than like, I was going to share some of these numbers with you, but like the number of podcasts that Buzzsprout serves has doubled over the last years, but the number of listeners that are consuming podcasts on our platform has increased like 3.5 X. So the number of listeners are growing faster than the number of podcasts that are being put out there. And so it's, it's happening. It's healthy. I I'm just getting a little bit weary that People are coming in and they're seeing the value of this ecosystem and they're saying, well, how can we get a piece of it? And I'm not sure that that's super healthy. So that's, I mean, again, why I say hopefully five years out from now, what does the future of podcasting look like? I think if we do a good job as in, of independent creators of kind of protecting the space, then hopefully it doesn't look too much different, except everyone knows what a podcast is. It's a regular habit for people that they listen to podcasts while they're in their cars or they're working out or in the office or around the house, that it just becomes mainstream, but not owned by any one platform or company. You're here. Here's to that. Uh, looking forward to seeing what happens, but thankful to have you in our corner, Kevin, with Buzzsprout and all the amazing things you guys are offering for us. So I, I appreciate you. I'll mention a link where you can go and check out Buzzsprout and get some amazing podcast hosting solutions for you after we finish up here. But Kevin, any final words of advice or, or, or motivation for those who are just, you know, starting their podcasting journey right now? Oh, I, I would just say podcasting is fantastic. It is a lot of fun. If you have, if there's any part of you that says, hey, I think I could do a podcast, you absolutely can. Uh, and the best day to start a podcast is yesterday. So get on it. Buzzsprout can help you. And if we're not the right platform for you, we'll point you in the right direction. So good luck with your journey and keep podcasting. Keep podcasting. Kevin, thank you so much. I appreciate you and we'll connect again soon. All right. Thank you, Pat. Thank you. Bye-bye.
All right, I hope you enjoyed that episode with Kevin from Buzzsprout. Actually, if you wanted to get started with a podcast and use Buzzsprout as a hosting company to help support you with that, like I said, it's the easiest to use by far from all the things that I've found. Plus, if you go through this special link, it is an affiliate link, you get some extra time added onto your plan. So what's unique about Buzzsprout also that Kevin didn't mention is that their pricing structure is very much based on how long your episodes are, not the megabytes that you upload, which is uh, often a problem because we don't often optimize our files. We might be paying more than we need to. So you can get more time added onto your plan if you go through my affiliate link, which is smartpassiveincome.com slash buzzsprout. One more time, smartpassiveincome.com slash buzzsprout. We'll also have the show notes and links at the usual spot, smartpassiveincome.com slash session 395. But definitely check out Buzzsprout. You can get on a free plan to check it out or a free trial at least. And uh, you can get some more at, uh, time added onto your plan if you go through that link. Uh, once again, smartpassiveincome.com slash buzzsprout. Thanks again, Kevin, and to the entire team there for creating awesome products, for inspiring me and my software company related to the Smart Podcast Player as well, and just amazing things going on in the realm of podcasting. I hope you'll join me and the, I don't even think there are a million podcasts yet at this point. We're so early in the journey. It's so incredible. We didn't talk about how many podcasters there were, but there's less than one million podcasts out right now. So the opportunity is is ripe for all of us to provide messages that really resonate with our audiences, to provide uh, an opportunity to create really, really amazing relationships with our people and also relationships with other industry leaders, as well as creating something that could support your lifestyle too, because we talked about monetization in this episode too. So get started. I'm looking forward to serving you. We'll have more resources on the show notes page if you want to get started with podcasting and want some additional help with that. Like I said, I also teach people podcasting in several different kinds of ways, including my course, Power Up Podcasting. Anyway, here to serve you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you and uh, wishing you all the best. Hit subscribe if you haven't already. And as always, Team Flynn for the win. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive Income Podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com. So podcasting is obviously a big deal here at SPI. And today, I'm so excited to tell you about our newest podcast. Yes, a brand new podcast called Flops. Flops is all about exploring, celebrating, and normalizing failure in the entrepreneurial journey. Every entrepreneur experiences failure at some point. So I love that we're just facing it head on here. And the show is hosted by two members of the team, Karen and Ray. And in it, they talk to entrepreneurs who have had stumbles, setbacks, and flat-out failures. These guests are honest and generous with their stories, and I think they offer hope and encouragement for all other entrepreneurs out there because we all experience it, right? We all experience failure. For example, in the first episode, Ray talks to John, who got caught up in a Ponzi scheme. It's a story with twists and turns that will keep you hooked. It's a great story. I highly recommend you check it out. But one thing I love about Flops is that it doesn't dwell on the failure, and it always finds a bright side. I really love it, and I think you will too. So the first season of Flops has already started with new episodes dropping on Wednesdays. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also listen at smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. Again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. I hope you enjoy it.